you would have thought Donna, my sister-in-law, would have known how to turn that thing on. And I said, now, do you slide it over? She says, I have no idea. It's new. I said, oh, I'm in trouble. Then I said, I think I see a green light. She said, that might be good. <laughs> uh, first of all, and I, let, me, let me just say, it is 8.07. So don't worry about that because we're going to be here just a few minutes because, and I mean this sincerely, I have truly been praying and God has given me a message and I pray that you will listen. I appreciate the wonderful singing. I truly am amazed every time I come here, so blessed by the singing of this congregation and the ones that visit it has been going on for years, and then nothing has changed. I feel a little loud to me. Y'all a little loud? Don't worry, I'll get a little louder here in a minute. But, but uh, nothing has changed over the years as far as the talent and the spirit of the songs. It is outstanding. People pay lots of money to hear what we've heard tonight. Do you agree with that? Amen. And then also I've, I have... Honestly, I have enjoyed the time that we've been here. We've been here since Monday, and, and uh, oh, every service, every service has been outstanding. I don't know if you've heard them all or heard many, or maybe it's the first one. If this is the first one you've heard, I'm sorry. Let me apologize in the beginning of this. <laughs> you missed a lot of good preaching. But I appreciate the wonderful fellowship, love of God, and just a just an amazing preaching that we've heard throughout this week. I feel closer to the Lord, and if you don't, I'm kind of thinking it might be your fault. So I hope you're feeling the same way. And if you're not, just act like you are for a little while and, and then get right with the Lord later on, okay? But also I feel very honored to be here in front of you and standing behind this pulpit. I mean that sincerely and from the depths of my heart because honestly that is a great privilege and honor to be here at this church, particularly because of the pastor that you have in this church, if he's your pastor. He is a wonderful man of God. I've watched him over the years. Some things I like and some things I aggravate him with. I'm just kidding. I enjoy his presence. His, his, uh, we have a great time together, great fellowship, and I truly enjoy him. And the privilege of being able to speak to you this evening. Thank you, Brother Tony, Sister we would about said Sister Tony down in Haiti and Guatemala. They call him Sister, and then use the man's name. So, Sister Bartlett, thank you all, and thank you in advance for being here this evening. I appreciate it. It's a Friday night, and I know you've got a million other places you could be. And I appreciate your time and your energy to be here. So I'm praying that God will give us something that will help you. Listen, you've done all the effort to be here this evening, so I hope and pray that you'll listen just for a moment, and I, I'm praying that God might help me to be able to give you something that would help you, challenge you, convict you, uplift you, encourage you, or strengthen you, or whatever else you need. I can't do a thing, but I promise you God can do everything. Amen? So I just wanted to say, and I, one more thing before I start preaching, and I'm going to get on with it, I promise. I'll try to get you. I know y'all hungry and starved to death. Bless your heart. Y'all look starved to death. I just tell you, I'm looking over the crowd. You look starved to death. But I want to, I want to thank the Lord for this dear sister, Diala. I, I have not had the privilege of knowing her name, but I have listened to her praise the Lord all week long, and I just thank her for her spirit and her vocal 
ability to just say thank you, Lord, in whatever way it was. And she didn't care if the whole church was quiet or that loud. It didn't matter to her. She just was her. It felt like her and the Lord was in the house all day. I appreciate your spirit, hon. You just keep praising. Now I'll give you one more thing, and then I'm going to get going. I tell you this all the time, and I haven't preached here for a little while, and so I just want to remind you in case you forgot. If I say something right, then you say amen. If, if you don't say amen and I don't hear from you, I think you probably didn't hear or understand what I said, and so I'll back up a little bit and we'll redo that little section, and then we'll sit there until I get an amen. amen. The faster you say amen, the quicker I'm going to go. And if you don't have an amen in you, then I might back up. We might be here all night long. That's all right with me. I don't have anywhere else to go. No, I'm kidding. We got to go home after this. So I hope you say amen. Don't make me out to be a liar. Would you do me a favor and just turn your Bibles this evening to Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. It's one scripture, one verse, and I'm sure that you're going to be well aware of the scripture, the verse. And then I'm going to preach, hopefully, to the best of my ability. And I pray that God will help me because I can't do one thing. I'll be honest with you. I am unable to do one thing good, but God is able, again, to do all things. And Mark chapter 8, verse 34, I'm still a little hot. I'm getting some pretty heavy feedback, guys. I'm sorry. I don't mean to aggravate you up there. You're doing a great job besides my feedback. Mark chapter 8, verse 34 says this. And when he had called the people unto him, which is Jesus, with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, listen, and he'll deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You mind if I'll say that one more time because I really believe this verse will change our lives. It will take it to our hearts and really put it in our minds and allow us to live this verse. I believe, in fact, I can guarantee that God will use this verse in your life, no matter where you're at in life. He will change your eternity with this one verse. So listen to me one more time, if you would, in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. And when he had called the people unto him, with his disciples also, he said unto them, listen, this is Jesus. You don't have to listen to me, but you better listen to Jesus. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. Don't feel bad, ladies. He's not trying to leave you out. This is gender neutral. Does that make y'all happy? It makes me sick. But anyway, <laughs> let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, I wish I really had prayed and asked the Lord, God, give me an inspiring message. Give me a message of encouragement. Give me a message that will make them jump out of their seat and just holler, hallelujah. But I don't think this might be your message. I'm sorry. I'm going to apologize. I love you. You look great. I told somebody, I told Brother Eric today, I said, I'm not gonna, I don't think it's a message they're going to be shouting after, so I'm going to apologize in the morning. I'm going to tell how great you are now so I don't have to do it later, okay? You are a wonderful-looking crowd. I am so, so thankful you're here tonight. You look beautiful. Your hair's just right. Your body looks okay, you know, with all the wrinkles and everything. It looks perfect. Everybody looks just wonderful. Praise the Lord for you being here. Now, I fluffed you up. Now let's start getting to the Word of God. First of all, let me just tell you 
that there's a startling honesty of Jesus in this very scripture. Listen, following Jesus, I know there's a lot of preachers that's going to dismay this. He's going to tell you a lot of other things. There's a lot of televangelists that I can't hardly hack anymore because that makes me about sick to my stomach to hear them talk. But there's Jesus following Jesus is not easy. Now, you saints of God sitting there saying, oh, that we're supposed to be trying to get them saved. We're trying to enlist them. We're trying to give them a part of the church. We're trying to help them out. We're trying to encourage them. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to do my best to be your best friend this evening. I'm going to tell you the good, and I'm going to tell you the bad. And if there is such thing, I'm going to tell you the ugly. And no, I'm not the ugly if you're thinking that right now. Well, maybe some of you. Following Jesus is not easy. I'm going to explain that here in a minute. In the early days of World War II, listen, when Winston Churchill took over the leadership of England, all that he offered his people was this, blood, sweat, and tears. Can I tell you what Jesus is offering you in the same verse I just read? Blood, sweat, and tears. There's nothing easy to following Jesus, but I can tell you everything's worth following Jesus this evening. Amen? Let me tell you one other thing, and I've got to get on with it. The other thing I want to tell you is that before we get started, it's kind of a prelude, if you will. The Bible says, or Jesus never recalls, excuse me, never calls upon us to do anything that he has not already done. Jesus never tells you something to do unless he's already taken care of it, and he gives you the strength to be able to do it. Some people say, it's my load is more than I can bear. Can I tell you something? Your load is only more than you can bear because you don't have Jesus in your life tonight. And if you'll have Jesus in your life, I'm telling you, your load will get lighter because that's exactly what Jesus promised us in his word. If we'll lighten the load through Jesus Christ, your life will be happier, more joyous, more, more abundant. He'll have you every which way you want to go. And I'm telling you, I really never started living for Jesus or living life until I met Jesus. And then my life changed forevermore. Praise God. Now, I wish I could stand here before you this morning or this evening and tell you that everything's went my way. Since I got saved, all the, 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 the clouds were departed, the blue skies were there, and all the money in the world is coming to me. Well, I know better than that part of it, but there's a lot of things that didn't go my way through my life with Jesus, but I can tell you he has never left me. He's never forsaken me. He's never let me down. He's never give up on me. He's picked me up when I needed him most. Praise God. I love bragging on my Jesus. Let me just tell you a few things and we're going to get done with this tonight. Matthew 8 and 34 so it goes back to that and Jesus' word says, Whosoever will, come after me. Do you understand what it's saying here? Living for Jesus is voluntary. You don't have to do it. I know there are a lot of preachers tell you, you have to live for Jesus. You have to do it. I'm telling you right now, you have a choice. I'm not going to lie to you for it. I want you to serve God. I want you to live for the Lord. I want you to be a part of the church. I want you to do all the wonderful things that we are enjoying right now. But I can tell you right now, you have a choice. Let me just tell you the choices because I know the world we live in, the new generation that needs choices nowadays. Used to, the preacher would say something, and they just said, I believe it, I'm going to live it, and that's what's going to happen. Now, all of a sudden, we have to tell them all kinds of choices they have. You want the Jesus that's sweet? 
or the Jesus that's, that's sour, or the Jesus. Listen, we ain't got but one Jesus. Here's your choices in this world. Let me just tell you, and I want you to listen to me, please, just for a moment. First of all, you have a choice to live for the most amazing, awesome, miraculous, powerful, loving, kind, generous God that ever was and ever will be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He may not take every mountain down or bring every valley up. He might not dry the sea for you. He might not fill your bank account with money. He's not going to fix every problem you've got, but I promise you he'll be with you even to the end, the Bible says. That's the first choice. He says he, sent, he loved you so much he sent his son to live in this world, to die in this world, so that you might have life and life more abundantly. Living for Jesus is the best thing I've ever done. Now, the second thing, best thing I've ever done is married my wife. <laughs> I'm blessed. I have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and then I have my wife right next to that. People say, hey, you being good? I said, I ain't got a choice. I've got a wife that sticks by my side, and she watches every move I make, every sound that comes out of my mouth. And when it ain't just the way it's supposed to be, because we'll have a long ride on the way home. And she's glad to tell me, honey, you said this. One time I put a wrong disciple in prison in, in the pulpit. Don't worry, she's already corrected me. Ain't you glad for a good godly wife that helps you out? And she'll be glad to tell you all your faults and failures. Isn't it encouraging? Isn't it wonderful? I'm so proud to be my, married to my wife. I am, honey. I really am. I really am. I'm not kidding about that. I've got one of the best wives in the whole wide world. Let me tell you why. My wife does so much for me. I don't know what I'd do if she had never happened to her. Well, and she lays my clothes out, and I used to travel quite extensively and go all over the nation and talk to people from different places and different churches, some small churches, some huge churches, places I, I should have never been because they were way out of my race. And I'll just tell you right now, I'm from Kentucky, if you already couldn't tell. I hope you can translate for me. I hope the Spirit of God can translate what I'm saying because I know some of you are sitting there thinking, what's he saying? <laughs> well, you think I'm bad, just let my sister-in-law come up here. <laughs> it gets worse. <laughs> but this trip, I happen to be, we happen to be in our, our motorhome. It's, you, thank the Lord we've got here recently and we've got a great deal. The Lord blessed us with it and and my wife had my suit laid out, as she always has, and all of a sudden I go to put on my suit, and guess what I've got? A pink shirt. I don't know you about your other brother, and I'm sure you're in touch with your feminine side, but I'm not too in touch with mine. When I sent that, seen that pink shirt, my mouth flew open, my, my stomach started quivering, and I thought, oh, Lord, surely she brought another suit. And that was my only choice. So overlook my little pink shirt right now because that's my wife's fault. Can I tell you something? Not only do you have a choice to live for Jesus, but there's another choice. There's a choice that you can live for something that's pitiful, putrid, nasty, awful, terrible, misleading. It'll lie to you. He'll deceive you. He'll, he'll take you down. He'll chew you up. 
He'll take everything good in your life completely away from you. Listen, he, he's the worst thing that ever happened to this world. And if you're thinking about living for him or if you're not gotten saved this morning or this evening, if you haven't already considered it or know it, you, if you're not living for Jesus, honey, you're living for this other old skanky little feller that kept there with a split hoof and horns coming out of his. I don't know what he looks like, but I hate that guy. Because I see him not only what he does to individuals, I don't only see what he does to families, but I've seen in the last few years what he's done to the church. And I'm getting sick to my stomach, and I'm rising up. And I hope, I pray in God, that there'll be other saints of God that's sick of what the devil's doing. And he starts coming up and said, God help us to rise up and give us a voice against this old nasty devil that's in this world. Now, if I'm too loud for you, just get over it. I'll be done in a few minutes. You see, you got a choice this evening. You can live for Jesus. He says, if you want to follow me. In other words, you don't have to. You can remain in your sin. You can remain in your, your, yourself. You can remain in your situation. You can remain in your circumstances. You can remain in all the things that the devil's got you wrapped up in, addicted to, and messed up with. You can remain right where you're at. And if I was you, I'd listen to me just for a second. Because I'm going to try my best to give you hope. Because my Jesus... Even though you might feel like it, even though you might think it, even though you might feel it right this moment, oh, my Jesus ain't give up on you. He still loves you. He cares about you. He wants to save you and raise you up from the sins you're in and change your life for eternity. Amen. He wants to take you to heaven one day where he resides. Can't you wait for that day? Oh, don't worry, your choice, you still got a choice. I don't want to miss your choice. Your choice is to live for the devil, live for Satan. I don't care what you call him. You just live for that old stinking thing, and I'm telling you, he's got a place for you too. You can keep doing what you want to do, live how you want to live, talk how you want to talk, dress how you want to dress, and he's got a place for you. It ain't no party. It ain't no fellowship. It is hell, and there's going to be welling and gnashing of teeth. I know we don't hear much about this anymore, but I'm telling you, it's still as real today as it was when Jesus spoke about it. We need a wake-up church. We're in a serious warfare. People tell me all the time, it's the Republicans against the Democrats. I say, I don't believe it. You mean you don't got any political view? How do you get me outside of this pulpit? I'll be glad to tell you what I believe. Whether you like it or not, I will be glad to tell you. I'm getting older now. My hair's getting grayer, and I don't care about people's feelings as much as I did to. You can go ahead and cry on somebody's shoulders later, but I'm going to tell you, if you ask me a question, be ready for the answer. But I don't believe it's about Republicans and Democrats. I don't believe it's about the Church of God against the Baptists. What'd you say? I couldn't hear you. I'm getting hard of hearing when I'm my old age. I don't believe it's about, about the world against the church. You know what I believe? It's about self wanting what self wants. The thing that gets us more than anything in this world is this old stinking rotten flesh that we live in and it desires things that we don't need don't want shouldn't want desire and we ask God to bless us in ourself and, and remedy of that and I'm telling you God's going to help you in a mighty way
Too many of us are wanting what selfishness wants. You see, that goes to my second point in the scriptures. The Bible tells us in, in the same scripture, he says, if you will, in Mark 8 and 34, he says, first of all, whosoever will come after me. That means you have a choice, as I've said. And then he says this crazy little sentence that hangs up people all over the world. And I'm not just talking about the people out there. I'm going to talk a little bit about them. But I'll be honest with you. I'm more interested in the people in here. They can't hear what I'm saying. You can hear me. So I want to talk to you more than I want to talk to them. Listen to what he says. He said, let him, excuse me, or her, deny himself. Now, preacher, you done plumb went too far. Couldn't you pick a better scripture than this? Isn't there a better place to read from the Bible than this? Why in the world would you read this one? Well, I'll tell you why, because this is a very real problem in our world today. Not only is it voluntary to be a cross-bearer, but secondly, cross-bearing is an act of love. Let me tell you what I'm saying. Act of love simply means that Jesus came to this world. He didn't have to. People say, well, he had to love me. He didn't have to love us. He chose to love us, and he chose to love us so much that he was willing to send his son. God sent his son by virgin birth, by the way, just to clear that up, and he lived a sin-free life. He wasn't married to Mary like some people try to talk about. He wasn't doing a bunch of junk that people try to say. They try to diminish my Savior. I'll be honest with you. That gets my blood pressure up faster than anything else in this world. You want to get me mad? Talked about my wife, my kids, or my Jesus. You know the bad part? Most church people say, well, we don't want to get involved. I'll be talking about you here in a minute. <laughs> don't want to leave you out. You know, there's a day that our church, in this church, in our camp meeting here, and thank the Lord, I've been to this camp meeting for quite some time now. Been blessed by the camp meetings over the years. There was a day when a preacher would get up and say, I, we love Jesus. And man, our whole place would break out. Praising the Lord, raising hands, crying holy tears. Now you can sit there, if Jesus was preaching, sometimes we're not even ruffled up even a little bit. Don't that bother anybody but me? We've heard some amazing messages this week. Amen. Anybody been here, say amen. If you haven't been here, just say amen anyway. <laughs> We've heard some amazing messages this week. And to be honest with you, the other night I told Brother Tony, I said, man, that was a great message. But there was hardly anybody at the altar. I'm sorry, does that bother anybody but me? Have we gotten so holy, so righteous, so sanctified, so pure, and so, so much like God that we don't even have to kneel down before holy God and ask him to help us and regenerate us, renew us, redeem us anymore? Have we gotten so far away from God and don't feel the presence of God that we're not even excited about the things of God anymore? What happened? I'll be honest with you, I can't, I can't take the time for your answers right now, but something's happened. Jesus showed us an act of love like none other. He sent his only begotten son that he might die on this world on an old rugged cross. And he carried that cross, or at least a beam of it, whatever you want to figure. He carried that cross up to a hill called Golgotha. The Bible says it's the hill of the skull. 
He hung on that cross between heaven and earth as a sacrificial offering, a perfect offering. The lamb that was slain before the world, he was hung on that cross that you and I might have a life more abundant, that we might have salvation, redemption, power. And after he died on that cross and he said, it is finished, praise God, I love this part. I love this part. It never gets old to me. I'm sorry. I've heard it a thousand times, maybe more, but I love this part. But when Jesus said it is finished and he gave up the ghost, the Bible says that the, the, the veil was rent from top to bottom where we were able to be able to go straight to the Father which art in heaven. I don't have to go through a preacher. I don't have to go through a priest. And I promise you, I don't have to go through you. Isn't that great? You know why I'm glad that? Because some of you wouldn't let me go to him. Amen. But as that veil was rent from top to bottom on the third day, as you well know, Jesus was resurrected from that old dead tomb. And praise God, when the women came to sit there and going to fix him up and make him up and do all the things that was in ceremonial rites, all of a sudden they seen an empty tomb. And the angel of the Lord came and says, Hey, he's not here. Praise God, he is risen. Amen. You see, that was the greatest act of love that ever was given to mankind. It's better than any dove or any lamb or anything else that we could do. We could not offer something that Jesus only and Jesus only, hear me, and Jesus only can do. We have tried. We'll try to do programs. We'll try to fix ourselves up. We'll try to make a structured church. We'll try to do things and have, have smoke machines. And, and I loved how the brother said it. I can't even remember what he said is how he said it. But skinny jeans, something about skinny jeans and smoke machines. And I can't remember the rest of it. But anyway. Anyway, I really enjoyed that part, a lot of it, but even that part. We've tried so much in the church of God today. We can talk about everybody else, can't we? I mean, we can point fingers better than anybody. Look at the religious world of the day. Look what they're doing. Look how they're acting. Look what they're doing during a supposed church service. Can you believe they sing those kind of songs? I can't believe there's preachers who get in the pulpit with blue jeans on. I'll be honest with you. I would love that, but I can't get by with that. Remember the fourth person in my, my quadruple entity? Is that a word? My wife says, as long as I'm alive, you will not be wearing any blue jeans in this pulpit. I said, thank you, Holy Spirit. God bless you, honey. Jesus paid the ultimate price for every one of us. Aren't you glad for that? Do you realize if you're sitting here today and you're an addicted to drugs, alcohol, pornography, sex, you're addicted just to anything in the world? You're addicted to sin in general? Do you realize that Jesus died for you too? Now I'm getting to the good part. I'm, I'm hitting the good part because I'm going to hit something here in a minute that I hope it makes you squirm just a little bit. I figure there's no message good enough until you finally get something that hits you personally. We can talk about the world all we want, but as you notice, most of the world's not in here. So what we can only do is, I'll be honest with you, the only one we can take care of even a little bit and try to change and try to help and try to improve is me. And to be blunt, it's hard to change me sometimes. Amen? 
The rest of you don't must not have that problem. Amen? Amen. Thank you. I just make sure you're awake. So first of all, the, the cross is a voluntary service. You don't have to sign up if you don't want to. In fact, I would appreciate it if you're just going to come and try Jesus, stay in your seat, because he ain't worth trying. You got to come to him humbly with a broken and contrite spirit and say, Lord, here am I. I'm nothing, but you're everything. I'm a sinner, but God, you are God, and you're the king of kings, and you can save my soul, change my life, and give me a future that I never had opportunity to have. I get tired of these preachers, and I'm not, I'm not their judge. Thank God for that. They'd be in trouble. These preachers say, just try them on. Well, that's like going to the store and trying on a pair of shoes. I mean, that's what they, we're belittling and watering the word of God so much that it just fits all people. I got news for you. The Bible still says that the way of God is narrow, and there's few going to go on it, and the other part is broad, and there's going to be a whole heap of a lot of people that think they're godly on that path. And I dare say and challenge you tonight to make sure you're on the narrow way. Do you understand that means there's restrictions on your life? That gets me to point three. Listen to point three. When you're bearing the cross of Jesus, when you're carrying your cross that you're individually challenged to do, not only is it voluntary, not only, praise the Lord, is it an act of love that Jesus bore on our behalf, but thank God it is hard and it costs you something. I know what most people tell you. I've heard it most time from other people, from other preachers all over the planet. All you got to come is give your heart to Jesus. It don't cost you nothing. All's been paid. Let me tell you something. I'll just be honest with you right now. First of all, Jesus paid, Jesus paid the price that you might be saved. Nothing you can do, nothing you can earn, nothing you can pay, nothing you have can pay the price that Jesus paid on the cross. Amen? Amen. However, once you get saved, there is a cost. Amen. He didn't say, once you get saved, all you got to do is pick up some feathers and then follow me. No, honey, that ain't what it reads. He said, pick up a cross. If you don't understand what a cross is, go back to the Roman times. That was, a, that was a type of humiliation and a sign to other people that you better not go the direction that that fellow went. And so they were telling Christians all over the land, you better not listen to Jesus. You better not follow Jesus. You better not do what Jesus did because there's no hope. All you'll do is end up in dead too. Can I tell you something? Every one of us in this building or out of this building that says I'm a saint of God or a Christian and have blood washed in my life has a cross to bear. I'll be honest. I know I'm not near as old, excuse me, near as mature <laughs> as some of you sitting here this evening. But I just turned 53, and that means I've lived a couple of days. You know how I think? I figured out how you know you're kind of getting old. As you start thinking about the past more than you're thinking about the future. <laughs> I'll talk to people, you remember so-and-so? Well, I've done that this week with some of you that are sitting here today. And I so appreciated the wonderful talks we've had, the wonderful conversations, and, and remembering things of the youth camps and, and the revivals and the camp meetings of old times. Where's so-and-so? I don't know. I ain't seen them in years. 
Man, that starting makes you feel a little bit old. Can I tell you something? Every one of us have a cross. And that cross is not easy to bear. If you're not familiar with it, the Roman soldiers used the cross as a sign of humiliation to whoever there was hanging on that cross. Jesus was not a hero to them. He was not somebody to look up to. He was somebody to mock, to beat, to make an example of. Can I share with you this evening, as honest as I know how, if you're going to come live for Jesus, you're going to be mocked, you're going to be shamed, you're going to look down on, people's going to make fun of you, they're not going to agree with you, they're not going to understand you, you're not going to be the most popular person in class, you're not going to be the pop, most popular person in the room unless you're at church. But I have an issue because most people that say I'm carrying a cross, this is. They think that just because the doctor said you got cancer, that you're carrying your cross. That's my cross I have to bear. Can I tell you something? Cancer is not a cross. The cross, if you're not remembered, Jesus said, if you'll follow me, which means you have a voluntary choice. You didn't choose cancer, it chose you. I don't understand why, and I wish you get healed. And I know God can, but I'm telling you, you didn't choose that. The cancer come to you. So you can't say, this is my cross that I bear. Amen? The only way you can say it's my cross is if you pick it up. In other words, it's an action on your part to do what God says and follow his ways. And if you'll pick up your cross, I tell you right now, I am warning you that I promise you, if you'll really live for Jesus, there's a price to be paid. I've never seen a time, I tell some people, I said, man, I don't know what pastor was four and a half years beyond that. I pastored a little church in Indiana for a while, but man, it seems like it's a hard thing to do, pastor church anymore. I told my congregation not too long, and some of them, thank God, are sitting right here, and I really appreciate them coming over and being here tonight. I thought they'd probably got tired of me by now, but apparently some of them hadn't. So thank God for that. But I told some of my people, I said, you know what? Half of you that's here today would really, I think you would enjoy the other half if y'all showed up at the same time. I think you guys would get along pretty good. Is it not strange to you that getting up on Sunday morning and being tired is more important than bearing a cross that Jesus bore for you? I didn't hear you. Now listen, I found out a long time ago, if I say something that's hit you, you shout amen just so louder, that way nobody knows that you're guilty. Is it not strange to you here in this church, and I know you're a blessed people that's God, godly and holy and sanctified and praise God, it just feels good to be in your presence this evening, but does it not strange to you that ball games are more important than bearing the cross that God gave you? I can't stand it when they get on Facebook and say, I go to jail for Jesus when they won't even come to church for Jesus. Anybody home? Thank God. It bothers me. It bothers me. You know what bothers me? I got people, I'm not going to mention names. Some of them sitting here so I can't go into detail, but I'm telling you, it bothers me when I get a text on Sunday morning and they say, I'm not coming to church today. And I text back, I'm sorry, are you feeling bad? Are you sick? 
Is the dog dead? Did your wife get mad at you? Did your, did your husband throw you out last night? What happened? What's wrong? Tell me. I want to pray for you. I just don't feel like coming. And yet, we're Christians. Yet, we don't have any problems with God. God loves us and we love God. I had somebody years ago that sat there and made a decision. They sat there and was going to go to a mission field. And there was a young couple, young couple that went to the mission field. And they were sitting there living. They, they were trying to do the best they can. Come over a big church over in the western part of the United States. And they come to the mission field. And, and all of a sudden I'm seeing some things out of one of them. The lady, excuse me. I'm not trying to be male chauvinistic. Just truth. But the lady was sitting there and she would use a foul language or a word. Just a letter, a word that comes out of her mouth that was foul. And I, I proceeded to tell her husband, I say, listen, can we talk? And I say, he said, yeah, what's going on? I said, man, I, I, I'm kind of hearing something. I think I must have misunderstood. There's no way this could be happening, but I want to clear it up because I want to hear the truth from you. Is, this, is your wife using foul language? <laughs> As he answered my question, I about passed out in the floor. He said, sure she does. I said, brother, I, I'm not trying to be mean or nothing. I'm not trying to be inconsiderate or insensitive. I said, but that is not permitted here. We cannot do that. We represent the Lord. We represent Christ. We can't do this. This is a Christian mission, and we need to act like Christians. And you know what his answer was? I'll never forget as long as I live. He says, I can't say anything to her because if I say something to her about this, she'll get worse. You know what my next few words were? Pack your bags. You ain't fitting in here. I'll help you to get out. I'll help you do whatever. You know what they did? Went on down the road a little bit, found another mission, and they're finally, and they're, for all I know, they're still there today. We live in a time where cross-bearing is no more. We live in a time where a bunch of people that call themselves pastors, and I call them charlatans, saying on television, saying all you got to do is sow a seed of faith and put some money in the plate, and God's going to bless you, prosper you, give you help. Well, then I wonder how in the world, if that's the truth and that's the case, then why did all the disciples but one die of horrific deaths? Why did Jesus go to the cross if that's not the case? Let me tell you something. I don't know where you're at in life. I'm thankful I don't know most of you. And if I do, I know very little just through camp meeting. But I'm telling you tonight, you got a cross to bear. The Bible does not tell you that you need to come to church for my good or his good. He come to church because it's for your good. I read of a man just not long ago, and if you've not read the book of Fox of Martyrs, you ought to read it because it will give you a new perspective on life. It will change your attitude and change your personality. It will change who you are, and it will make you altogether different because we got it rough just because we have to get up. I got a sweet, dear lady that truly tells me that she loves the Lord. I'm not her judge, so I can't tell her any different. I asked her, why don't you come to Sunday morning and Sunday night to church? You know what she told me? That's too much church in one day. Now, before you say, oh, my goodness, I have no doubts that in this church, in your church, from wherever you're at, 
you should be carrying a cross when most of the time you're carrying some coffee. Some of you in this audience, no doubt like the news that you read in the paper more than you read the new good news that Jesus sent to us. Some of you sitting right here that say, I'm a Christian, I love God more than anything, are people that still lay out of church, don't do God's will, won't open their mouth to testify to anybody, won't tell nobody about Jesus, but I love Jesus. I don't know who we pretend to be fooling, but I'm telling you it ain't Jesus. Bless your heart, selfishness, selfishness. I'm not talking about the world, I'm talking about the church. Selfishness has devoured us Totally. We care more about the things of the world than we do the things of God. We care more about our clothes than we have. Praise God, I got a 99 cent Goodwill suit on. Isn't that pretty? It is hot, but it's all right. It's pretty. 99 cent Goodwill suit. We care more about our suits and our clothes and our hair and our cover-up. More than we care what God thinks about us. Do you understand? I'd rather you have not a drop of makeup on, even though it helps some of you. Church, gotta be honest. You men laughing harder than the women. You men, some need some makeup too. Try it on for a while. <laughs> I'd rather not wear makeup, not fix her hair, come in out of pajamas if we had to. As, close, as long as we got the robes of righteousness in our life. Amen? I'd rather us love Jesus than love the world. I'd love, let me tell you, you know how you can test yourself? Let me just tell you how you can test yourself. If you're a coffee drinker, there's nothing wrong with coffee. You like coffee? Praise God, drink some coffee. By all means, there's some good coffee out there. I'm a social coffee drinker. I drink when somebody else is around, I'll drink some coffee. If nobody else drinks coffee, I don't like coffee that much, but I'll drink it when everybody else is drinking it. Let me just tell you, just for an example, if you like coffee, then just quit it for a couple weeks. I know some of you just got wide-eyed and you got scared to death. And yourself rised up just out about out of you. You about levitated right there in the pew. And said, hold it, pastor, ain't nothing wrong with coffee. I've seen it real hard. You know what? There ain't nothing wrong with coffee if coffee don't have a hold on you. You can find out whether it's got a hold of you or you've got a hold of it. Just quit it for a couple weeks. See what you can do without it. See how much shakes you have. See how many headaches you have. See how bad you feel. I'm not just talking about coffee. I'm talking about anything you've got going. Amen? You're talking about, I'm talking about living a life for Jesus, bearing your cross, minding the Lord. It's not easy. It's not easy. Some of us would like to have this world more than we love the Jesus, but we want to fool ourselves and deceive ourselves. I've always heard, and I believe with all my heart, especially now I'm a pastor for a couple of days, I believe that all my heart that I'm telling you this, the worst place that any of us could be is in a place of deception thinking you're right with Jesus when you're not even close to the mark, thinking you're just perfect when you know as well as God knows for sure that you're not where you should be and you don't love him near as you profess to be. There used to be a time when preachers could preach the gospel, the truth, as hard and straight as they wanted to, and there was amens all over the house. Now I can't hear 
hardly anything. Time's changed. My question to you, has God changed? Has the church of God's standards changed? Has the word of God changed? I just want to ask you one more time, do you not see what I'm seeing? Or maybe it's just contained to my church and our place. But I dare say it's not. I don't believe it is. I believe if we're truly honest that every church all over the land has been filled with the same thing. Selfishness. We're not willing to bear a cross. That's too hard, Pastor. We can't live that way, Pastor. We can't do that, Pastor. Slow down, Pastor. Don't preach so hard, Pastor. Bless me some, Pastor. I need you to encourage me. Pat me on the back. Tell me how good I am. Honey, I'll do that. And I've tried to balance my preaching out as best God gives me. But I'm telling you, sometimes we need to hear that we need to straighten up, fly right, and get close to the Lord and mind Him more than we mind our own flesh. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, verse 24 says this. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ and Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. You know what it's saying? I can see that the stumbling block of the Jews is the cross. I can understand that. You see, for years the Jews would sit down with their family at dinner time and the father would come to them and say, let me tell you something. This is what going to happen. God has prophesied this that one day there's going to be a Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's going to come from heaven and he's going to come to earth and he's going to be strong and a mighty military force. He's going to relieve us of all our afflictions and he's going to relieve us of bondage that the Romans have in us. You know the problem is he didn't come that way. He wasn't he, was, he didn't come like they expected him to. He came as a babe born in the manger by virgin birth. He lived a sin-free life, and he didn't come with a big military force. He came with 12 pitiful little fellows like me and you. But he changed the world. You know, sometimes you look for Jesus in all the wrong places and all the wrong ways. You expect him to be something that he's not because you listen to the wrong voices. You need to listen to the word of God and hear the word of God. I love this verse, and it tells us that simply we need to be able to see Jesus as he really, really is. Can I read to you quickly? And I know it's late. I apologize for that, sort of. Not really. I really don't. But I am going to try to hurry. Let me get, I read to 1 Corinthians real quick. 1 Corinthians, I'm going to start in verse 4. Listen to what I say. It's a new international version. Don't get mad at me if you're reading the new international version, but here's what it says. I'm going to replace, if you won't mind, it's just a simple word. Well, instead of love, I'm going to replace it with cross bear. Listen to what it says if you do that. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Listen to us begin the reading, verse 4. And I want to change the word love and listen to what it says if you change it to cross bear. A cross bearer is patient. A crossbearer is kind. A crossbearer does not envy. A crossbearer does not boast. A crossbearer is not arrogant or rude. Now you all, of course, mean the church down the road probably. But of course, a crossbearer is not self-seeking. A crossbearer is not easily angered nor keeps records of wrongs. He does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. Crossbearer always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. 
your cross bearer this evening. I pray to God that you'll get on board and you'll start figuring out what's really right and what's really wrong and to say, you're going to enlist in the army of the Lord. I'll tell you the fourth point, and I'm done. Fourth thing is, is some of you are sitting here wondering, why in the world would I sign up for that? You're telling me that I can't live how I want, I can't do what I want, I can't speak how I want, and why would I sign up for that? I mean, I get my own way now. Why would I want that? Can I tell you what? Because it's worth it all. If you bear your cross and you do God's will and you live for the Lord, it's worth everything. It's worth everything. I want to give you one little story. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to close with this. Now, I really would hope that you would just, if you're asleep, wake up just for a few more minutes, and I'll just hope and pray that you'll listen to this story. There was this young lady, lived in a godly home, lived in a Christian home. She'd been living, for, uh, living in this home, and, and God was using the home and doing things, and people, and the mom and dad loved her so much and cared about her, and This young lady one day when she was a little older decided that she didn't need mom and dad's home as much as she needed this young man. And this young man enticed her. He, he showed her things or just wanted to bring her out of the home. And, and she thought for a second, no doubt, that she had freedom. She had freedom from mom and dad and all the laws and all the rules of the house. So this young lady was with this young man for a while, and no doubt for a little bit. It, it was absolutely wonderful. They thought they were just king of the world. They could do what they want, when they want, how they want. Nobody would tell them what to do or when to do it. They can wake up when they want, go to sleep when they want. It didn't matter. Well, that kept going on and on. This young lady got deeper and deeper into things that she would have never, ever dreamed to get into. She got deeper in sin and all the devil has to offer. You know, when she got into this situation, she cut off everybody that loved her. She cut off her mom and her dad and her grandparents and everybody that surrounded her and loved her. That She just kind of went away from them. He segregated, if you will. He, he kind of deceived her. And that's not all his fault, no doubt. But she went off in his way and left everybody else behind. One day it got so bad. So bad that her dad was sitting there and her mom was praying. It had been almost close to a year, but we were the, the mom and dad were praying and they were seeking the Lord and praying for her every day, crying, weeping over this young lady, her, their daughter. We, the, the parents didn't hear from the, the young lady for about three months, long time. And the mom started saying, go find her. The dads went out and started finding or looking for the places that they thought they were or they thought they lived. He got to the grandparents' house of the young lady or the young man that was with her. And he knocked on every window, every door. He beat on everything to try to rouse them up. And hopefully there was somebody home to tell them where his little girl was. About the time he gave up hope, he started walking back to the car. As he was walking back to the car. He heard the sweetest, most angelic little voice that, I, that he had ever heard. Dad, man, the father turned around, went to her and grabbed her up. Just thank God for her. Thanking the Lord that she's still alive and she's still at least here on this earth. They had a small conversation and 
I wish I could tell you that was the great end of the story and she'd come home and everything was great. It wasn't, unfortunately. So for a while, they didn't hear from her a while, and then after a while, they, she'd come along and she found out that their daughter was pregnant with a baby. The dad called a family meeting. He said, we need everybody at the house at this time, and if you're not there, I'm, they're coming hunting for you. And so everybody was there, and we were, they were sitting around the kitchen table. And the daughter says, I need to tell you something. With tears rolling down her face, she said, I'm pregnant. The mom and dad were so crushed by this news. They knew that this was not a wanted pregnancy. This is not something that was expected. But this is something they had to deal with. And they loved their daughter more than anything in this world. And so they talked about it for a while. And finally, the young lady, she says, I don't want to go back to the life I was living. She said, but I'm too weak to say no. Can you help me? And naturally, the mom and dad said, absolutely. You're our daughter. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what's happened, no matter whether you're pregnant or not pregnant, you're our daughter and nothing in this world can change that fact. So this young lady said, all right, I've been had my bags packed for two weeks. Two weeks. But I had not the strength within me to be able to get away from him. And I could not break it on my own. She said, but I don't want my baby to grow up in that kind of an environment. The mom and dad took her and took her to where they lived at and she didn't have a social security card anymore. Didn't have a driver license anymore. It was like she was completely wiped from the face of the earth. It took months, if not longer, to see that little girl renewed in her body, in her mind, in her spirit. <laughs> when you think it's not worth it, can I tell you something? I can promise you it is. Because my daughter is sitting right back there and she's living for the Lord right now. And thank God got a healthy, holy marriage and they're living for God and I praise God for it. The devil wants to tell you it's not worth carrying a cross. It's not worth serving Jesus. It's not worth all the stuff you have to go through. It's too hard. I'm telling you, there's nothing like living for the Lord. There's nothing better than what He gives you. There's nothing better than what He does for you. He is wonderful. And to this day, I have my daughter back. And praise the Lord to boot. I have the most spoilt young grandchild that ever lived in this world. And bless his name is Tucker. I'm telling you, I promise you, you can live for the world. You can live for Satan. You can go and die to hell. 
You can do your own thing, but I promise you today, if you'll come and enlist in the army of the Lord, carry your cross, take it on your shoulder, and let Jesus have his way, I promise you, even though it's going to get hard, even though you're going to get sick sometimes, even though things ain't going to go your way and money ain't going to flow like they tell you on the television, Jesus will carry you through. Can I ask you as the song leaders come and pianist comes, I want to ask you this evening, if you wouldn't mind, to please stand with me. And here's the question of the hour. This is what I've come to come. The whole conclusion of the sermon is this. How many of you are sick and tired of the altars being dry? Then we need to be at the altar. How many of you are tired of the pews being silent? Then we need to start praising the Lord. How many of you want to see your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren saved today? Then we need to start praying. I don't know what your need is. I don't know where you're at in life. But if you're serving the Lord, I dare say that some of us, most of us, maybe all of us, need to come and say, Lord, I'm ready to re-enlist. Lord, I want the cross. I know it ain't going to be easy. But Lord, I know it's going to be worth it. Maybe you've got children that's gone right now and you need to come and pray. Maybe you've got lost loved ones that need help from the Lord, need to be saved, that need to be redeemed, that need to be helped, that need to be discovered or rediscovered and brought in the family of God. You need to come and pray. There's a cross to be born. I'm telling you, church, in today's world, right now where we live, we need to start bearing some crosses. It ain't easy. It ain't a must. You could have a choice. It's hard. It costs you something. But I promise you this. It's worth everything that you think you could sacrifice. God doesn't want to hold anything back from you. He wants to pour out his blessings. But you got to do it God's way. I wonder this evening if maybe all of us in this congregation as I pray and seek the Lord on your behalf. I wonder this evening if you would just come and let's just rededicate, recommit. Start the fire that's maybe flickering right now in our hearts. I wonder this evening if maybe, maybe, just maybe, you and I need to make a new commitment to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm willing to lay my life down as a living sacrifice for your glory. Heavenly Father, we thank you this evening. We praise you tonight. You have been so good and so kind, so righteous, so wonderful. You have blessed us with grace and mercy and forgiveness. You have blessed us with opportunities and opportunities and more opportunities. And God, some of us in this building no doubt are hooked on drugs or alcohol or sex or pornography or a million other sins. 
The devil has deceived us, taken us away from the family that loves us, that cares about us. He's pulled us, Lord, so far and deceived us into thinking he loves us, that he wants the best for us. But God, we're asking you that their eyes might be opened and their heart might be ready to receive the deliverance that only you can give for the price that you and you alone paid. Father, we humbly bow before you. We tried to do as best we could with what you had to give us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit in this place and the audience that was so attentive. But Lord, now your Holy Spirit needs to move. God, talk to them. Deal with their hearts. Let them know where they're at. Let them be changed. Let them be redeemed. Let them be saved. Let them be encouraged and strengthened. God, help them with whatever it is. We know you're faithful. We know you will. If we'll only give ourselves up to you. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. That some of us can go home again. That our life can be put back together again. That wrong turn that we made in our life, God, that, Lord, you'll put us on the right path. God, we need you tonight. We need your praise in the house. We need the testimonies ringing again. We need your presence in this place. We need your power manifested in a mighty way right this moment. God, we need you. Lord, we truly, humbly call out to you, asking that you might come and forgive us of our shortcomings, our sins, our wrongdoings, our lack of care and concern. And help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to come back to you. Help us, Lord, to dedicate our heart and life to you. Break the bondage of sin. Free us from the chains of the world. And give us that abundant life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Page 161. 161. I'll be honest, I'm not a fool. I know some of you are saved here this evening. But I believe some of you that are saved here this evening are not giving your all. I think you picked up the cross at one time, but somewhere along the line it started slipping. It's not what it once used to be in your life. You're not as close to God like you once were. Maybe you're not as committed to the things of God like you should be. Honey, I don't know where you're at. I'm not your priest. You don't have to confess to me. But I'm telling you this evening, we have a high priest. And if you'll humbly bow before him, there is help, there's hope, there's a future, there's an eternity, and Jesus wants to give you every bit of it, and then some. Tonight's a good night. Tonight's the perfect night. To start your life all over again. Lord, here am I. Search me. If there's any wicked way in me, God, show me. And let the spotlight of heaven shine down on me. Maybe you want to come and pray.